With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good Saturday afternoon slash evening. We welcome everybody back to Blog Talk Radio. We are your hosts, Doug and Jackie Christie. Yes, yes. And you can join our show anytime by calling 215, sorry, guess what, it's 347-215-8305 throughout our entire show, or you can join us in our chat room throughout our entire show if you want to chat with us that way. And today we are covering being in the NBA and how hard it is to get in. This is called NBA All Access for everybody that's just joining our show. And I was just going to tell you a little bit about that. Well, I would say like anything in life that is that is worth having, being in the NBA and getting into the NBA, there's a lot of different things that come along with that. First of all, I have to say there is a bit of luck that comes along with that because you have to be in the right place at the right time. But at the same time, there's a lot of skill, a lot of devotion, and a lot of hard work that comes with it because what the fan ultimately sees at the end of the day is the polished product on the floor, but there are endless hours of shooting, of dribbling, of working, running stairs, jump rope, and lifting weights. There are so many hours that go in to just any and every athlete that you see out there on the NBA floor. So the chances of making it to the NBA, and I always tell kids this when I talk to them, are very small. But if you really want it and you are dedicated to it, it is definitely a possibility for you. It is going to be some hard work, but anything that is uh, worth having is working hard for. So I would say there's a couple steps also that go along with this. I can remember being younger and playing Little League basketball, and then all of a sudden you step up to junior high, then you go to uh, high school, and then you make it to college. And this is one of the interesting parts that probably a lot of people don't know. They have a couple camps before the players are drafted, and these camps can be held in various different cities. When I was coming out of college in Pepperdine, it was held in Orlando, Florida. And you would go there, and they have you run on treadmills. They have you lifting weights, doing all types of different drills to check out your agility and all these different things. And they really prod you. And, you know, at this point, they're trying to find anything wrong with you because they want to make sure if they're going to be investing money in you that you are able to produce. And they're looking more, I guess, along the lines of longevity. So you have to go through psychological tests where they show you different pictures, just sitting down and having one-on-one conversations. But I told my wife that one of the most interesting points was the representation. And when I say representation, every athlete, well, I won't say every, but I would say 99.9% of every NBA player has an agent. 
and these agents would hang out in different areas of the hotel and all these different things, and they would be trying to sign the various players to represent them and take them to whatever team. And it was, you know, from coming from a town like Seattle, I, I didn't know anything about that, so it was really a strange experience. But I would say being in the NBA and making it to the NBA are, are two totally different ends of the spectrum because once you get to the NBA, it's a total different life. This is something that you've lived and worked hard for, and now you've accomplished your goal. And now I would say, baby, the key at that point is trying to stay focused and stay there because so many guys make it. But I would say that probably the average NBA career is three years. So you're looking at 90 months, 90 day, 90 months, something like that. That's uh, 12, 48, 72 months. That's right, and and I would like to also say that, um, like my husband said, getting into the NBA is, is it might be difficult in itself, but to stay in is even more hard because you got so many forces working against you. And I know my husband would tell me about how you know if a player gets hurt or if a player is not able to you know play at the caliber which the coach feels, it's easy to replace them because everyone that makes it to that level is upper echelon. They're elite athletes in that way. So right off the bat, you always know there's someone waiting in the wings that can take your position, huh? No, no question. That's one of the the big things that comes along when you uh, ultimately get established in the NBA or any profession for that matter. You're going to see uh, w- what you want to say. People coming and going on a conveyor belt all the time, and then you have those players who may be uh, elite or have found a way or a niche to stay in the NBA, and they are able to to maintain and last and and have that longevity. And and like my wife said. That is one of the hardest things because there are so many different people and young players who are coming along who might be younger, more athletic, but if you learn the ins and outs and you practice your game, you're able to have that longevity, but that's a definite, definite hard thing to accomplish. Oh, I can imagine. Let's talk a little bit, honey, about, you know, the training. What what goes into the different aspects of training to either get in or once you're in, what type of training is it? You know, that's funny because I would say back in the 70s and even into the 80s, there wasn't a lot of, I would say, quote-unquote, training like there is today. Training has really, really evolved. Back then, the players played all the time. So there wasn't, you know, you didn't see as many of the physiques as you see on the guys today. I mean, you see guys who are really chiseled out there in the basketball court, and that's because working out and you know, lifting weights and a lot of different ways to stay in shape have really come to the forefront of training. It's not just, hey, go out and play basketball all summer. There's rubber band training. There is obviously weight lifting. They have the big balance balls. There, there's so many different things that you can do to, first of all, stay in shape, but then start to trick your body and gain advantages in certain areas without, you know, any of the enhancement drugs or any of that type of stuff that really can help your fast twitch muscles, you know, help your thighs, help your calves, make your feet stronger. There's a lot of different things that players are doing now, and I think that you're seeing that in players like LeBron James, who is just head and shoulders physically above a lot of the guys that are even in the NBA because of some of the training things that uh, it looks like from what I've seen that he's able to do. 
That's right. Wow. It, I can listen and talk about this all the time because there's so many young kids out there. And for the parents that's listening, because I see the call lines, um, you know, make sure and, and share this show with your kids because it's it's a wonderful dream to have to go, but then it's also tough to, to get in there and stay, huh? Yeah, uh, we we always come back to that because staying in, in the NBA is the key because in in a season you you figure it like this you have eight preseason games you have eighty two regular season games that puts you at ninety games and that's not even counting if you're on a good team and you make it to the playoffs you have to win I believe it's sixteen games to win the finals so then that is 116 games and most players coming out of college or wherever even high school is even less high school you play about 30 games college you maybe play about 35 games so all of a sudden now you've tripled it and that takes a beating on your body so now you have to make sure that you're able to stay in a physical condition to maintain and stay in the NBA is so big Wow, honey, let's talk a little bit about player superstitions. That's something that always comes up, huh? Yeah, player superstition, that's crazy because they're, I'm not going to say any players' names, but I've heard so many different superstitions that I've been around a few of them, and I was just like, wow. But uh, I knew one player who had to t- touch his nose on everything, meaning he would take the ball, he would touch it on his nose. In the huddle, he might lean over and touch the guys beside what? him. To touch his nose on his shoulder and, and stuff like that. Then I played with one guy who he wouldn't step on any lines. Now, when he was running up and down the court, I, I watched him a few times, and, and he didn't pay his attention. But when he was walking and the play was stopped, he would just always make sure to step over lines. And, I, you know, that's like step on the crack, break your mama's back, that sort of thing. I, I guess that was a superstition. But... That was yeah, that was crazy. And then what about the one that had the towel, the cleanliness problem? Yeah, there there are some clean freaks too. I mean, all the way down to carrying spray cleaner wash in your pocket so that everything that you touch, it's like we're out here with sweaty guys, so it's hard to <laughs> to imagine that. But then after the game, you come in and there's towels all laid over this this chair because they don't want to sit on the chair. All they want to do is sit on the towels. And, you know, it's clean, brand-new sandals every time you get in the shower, fresh bar of soap. It's just there's so many different funny stories and superstitions uh, from the guys. And, I mean, down to I'll only drink this very certain thing before the game. And it has oh my to be God. one cup of black coffee and one Coke. And by that time, the guy is a wire for sound. And then he <laughs> just goes out there and runs like some crazy nut. The superstitions are big, and you'd be surprised. Big in the NBA. Oh, my God. Wow. And then let's talk a little bit about winning the ring. How important is that, honey, to a player to get the ultimate prize, and that's a ring in the NBA? Well, I'm still here in function, and I didn't get a ring. I will say that it is a very big thing because, I mean, ultimately, if you want to do good at whatever job it is that you choose, whatever profession that you right, that you choose, right. you want to reach the pinnacle of it. And in sports, it's always a championship because that is the culmination of a season is ultimately coming to the end and winning the championship. So uh, I, I think it's big. I think a lot of players have went their entire career, some, some really magnificent players. I mean, one that, that stands out is excuse me, Charles Barkley, who, you know, when his whole career got close, very, very close a few times, but he could never get over the hump. And, 
you know, some players can't really deal with that. But at the same time, at the end of the day, you learn to get over it and, and you look back and it's something that maybe is a pain in your side. But at the same time, from, from our lessons and, and my lessons in the NBA, uh, going through the Lakers series and all those different things and coming up short, it, it ultimately made me stronger, learned a lot about myself. And I think that that's what athletics teaches not only uh, professionals, but it also teaches kids. You, you learn a lot about yourself. Where's your cutoff point? Where's your stopping point? Where's your tolerance point? All these different things that enable you to find out who you are and find out about yourself when the pressure's on and all that different things because, you know, these are life lessons also, not just basketball lessons because you are on the team, but the fact that you don't win a championship, you have a part in that, so you have to figure out how to make your part stronger. But for a lot of players, it's definitely definitely a difficult thing. And then some players, they, they learn to live with it. And if you don't win one, great. If you do win one, wow, I can imagine. Wow, honey. Let's talk a little bit. I got an email from someone asking about the money. They want to know what's it like to sign a contract for, say, just a wow figure out there for a million dollars. And all you have to do is go out on the court and play the most famous and fun game in the world, and that's basketball. You know, I mean, I will say this, to to sign a contract and make millions of dollars is a fantastic thing, but it, it's hard when people say all you have to do is go That's and play right. basketball because people kind of don't really understand what goes all along with that. You have traveling, you have not sleeping, you have your body killing you, but at the same time you can't complain because this is That's what you right. choose do and since it's what you choose to do you have to accept what goes along with that but it is not an easy thing and, and I will say in a, in a lot of ways the guys really earn their money in some ways it, it's uh, obscene but this is entertainment and movie stars are making 20 million dollars for six months of work you know so to pay a basketball player that and they go out every night and they entertain I think it's a it's a great thing but it's awesome to be able to sign a contract like that and know that you can uh, take care of your family Wow, I would also have to say that that must be an exciting feeling because some people dream of winning the lottery. Let me just win, you know, a thousand dollars, and then they think, oh, well, let me win fifty thousand. But to win a million dollars, it must be an exhilarating feeling because when you sit there and think about that in dollar terms, you can figure out so many different things you want to do in vacations and items you want to purchase and so on and so forth. But I'd like to say that my husband is right. It is a hard, hard job, but it's fun in the same sense, would you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's the, the best job in the world. I, I can say that. I, I mean, I love playing basketball. Uh, I love entertaining, and it, it is lights out the best job <laughs> that you can have. I mean, football playing, it, playing in the NFL, I'm sure, is fantastic, and Major League Baseball, hockey, soccer, all of those things. But basketball is just, it's the best. It's the top because, I mean, you look at it, it's a fun sport. It's an action-packed sport. You can see the players where in some cases baseball, you're kind of far away. Football, Football. they've got helmets, hockey, you know, you're behind glass. Whereas, you know, in basketball, you get courtside seats or you even get 5th, 10th, 50th row, and you're like right in the action, especially now playoff time is just crazy. 
Oh, yeah, definitely, most definitely. And someone wants to know, what's the lifestyle like in the NBA? And I can attest by being married to an NBA player for so long, which is my husband who's my co-host that's on the phone, if you're listening, it is exciting as heck. I would be sitting here not doing justice to the NBA and the league to not say that it is. If you love to be entertained and if the person you happen to be married to is also an athlete and you just enjoy watching the game, my husband is an elite athlete and he does things that some of the players doesn't do. So it's really fun to just watch on any given night. You don't know what surprises you're going to get. And so it's, it's a lot of fun for me. I love the socializing and you get to do with the other families and wives, the lifestyle it affords you to be able to pay for your kids' college, to be able to uh, buy nice things, to be able to give gifts to people, you know, to be able to do lots of things for charity. And if you see someone that's in need, to just be able to help them and not really worry as much as if you had a nine-to-five or you was on a limited budget, it, it affords a really grand lifestyle. But in the same sense, it also um, hopefully would teach people that it comes once in a lifetime and to really think through a lot of your purchases stuff because you're not always going to make that million dollars or plus, you know, a year. So one day it's going to go away, and when it goes away, you have to be prepared and ready. So you never can forget where you came from. You always have to remember that I'm still just a human being. You know, I'm speaking from a player's perspective right now. Would you agree, honey? Oh, no question. I mean, that is is one of the biggest things is that you've got to stay down to earth, and that goes for any type of uh, job or profession that you choose. I mean, really, you you certainly do. But the NBA is is a fantastic job, and for the people out there who maybe have kids and their kids are aspiring to do it, the ride is just as fantastic. Mm -hmm. Some of the times I would be, you know, really focused, getting ready to go to the game, and my wife would ride with me, and she's just having a great old time because she gets to go and she gets to watch. It's like a movie. You know, you're going to the theater and you get to sit to watch this drama unfold for the next three hours. And performing is different. So I had to, you know, get into my mindset of going to perform. And she's in the mindset of, hey, I'm going to have a good time. And, and, you know, you get to see your friends and enjoy the game. And that is a beautiful thing at the same time is that you're able to entertain people. That's right, and we've talked a little bit about the good side. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the other side. I mean, I wouldn't call it the bad side, but they want to know about the persona of the NBA. Why do you think there's that stigma on the NBA and the the players that play in it? Then I'll give you my side. Well, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that the media now has really blown up in, in our society, and you have the Internet, you have television, you have all these different things that really put whatever face you want to say on it. They put it on there, and that's what the people see, and that's what they ultimately believe. Because, for instance, you look at a Rashid, Rashad Lewis, or, uh, excuse me, Rashad, um, Rashid Wallace, and you would think that, okay, he's a bad guy, but he is the best guy. You, he, if you met him, you would just go, oh, man, you get all these technicals and different things, but he's passionate about the game and all this. So it, it's hard to, you know, for for the media to put such a, a bad light on it. I think that a lot of people make uh, bad decisions sometimes, and I think that that just goes along with living and learning as you go. These are young men. They make mistakes just like anybody else. That's not an excuse. But I think it's really portrayed in such a light that really puts a negative hint on a sport and a profession that isn't negative at all. I think it's it's a beautiful thing. Like I said, guys might do some stupid stuff from time to time, but let's not throw them under the bus. 
I would have to agree. I would have to definitely agree. My my perspective was the same. Um, I think that it's, you know, misconstrued, and some people just don't understand. But when you're actually living in that circle, you see that this is really cool, and these people are really, you know, cool, cool, cool folks. Their families is great, and, you know, it, it's a wonderful place to be. And just like a postman could do something, they don't say all oh, mailmen is bad. So I would say that that's where that persona comes from is just misconstruing and misunderstanding of the league and of the players, huh? Yeah, I mean, from from way back in the day when when there were a lot of you know drug problems and different things going through the NBA, and then uh, Commissioner Stern came to the NBA, and you know he's cleaned up a lot in the persona of it. But then from time to time, you have things that happen, and I think it you know in a lot of ways it takes people back, or they kind of lump everybody up, and I, I don't think that that is necessarily a good thing to do. Like I said, I think that the guys. Uh, pretty much mostly all of them are fantastic people and you can't believe everything that you read that's for sure or everything that you see for that matter on television that's right that's right and we'll wrap it up finally with the last things is there special privileges you think sometimes given to the players i would say so yeah <laughs> and it's cool no, no question. I, I would say sometimes you, you might be speeding and get pulled over, and the officer might, if he's a fan, he says, hey, how you doing? Good to meet you. Good to see you. Hey, you know, and, and he might let you go. But then you run into the cops who might not like the team or you might not be their favorite player, and they, you know, they do what they're what they're supposed to do if you're speeding and maybe write you a ticket. But there there are a lot of different privileges from you know being able to go shopping and uh, if you're sponsored by a shoe company to go to certain outlet stores and, and you get free clothes and different things. So privileges are, are definitely a plenty, and I think it goes hand in hand because you know it's like I said it's entertainment. So entertainers get a lot of those same privileges that the athletes get. You think so? No okay. question. Okay. And then finally, why don't you tell them a little bit about the lifestyle, like you married while being in the NBA, and what that means to you as a player. Well, I think being married and being a player is a, is a fantastic thing because obviously I was married, was able to have a family, that meaning not only a wife, but I had children too. So they were able to come with us and really enjoy the ride as we went along. And at the same time, I was on some teams who really believed in family like the Sacramento Kings, and they allowed the wives to travel. So uh, my wife could go with me on the road and, you know, enjoy not only the home games but the trip along the way and really see what a player goes through from, you know, hey, after the game, you got to go get on the bus too. you got to go get on the plane too. You have to get into the hotel at 3 o'clock in the morning and then get up in the morning. Now, she didn't have to get up in the morning, but I did and, and go to practice. And I think that uh, family is, is definitely a strong thing when, when it is embraced by an NBA team because it ultimately – helps the, uh, especially if, you know, my wife handles a lot of business and helped me in a lot of different ways, and we we have businesses together, so it was able for us to do a lot of things that it would have took, you know, probably twice as long to do if she would have stayed at home, and then sometimes it's time for us to just relax, unwind, watch movies, and, you know, just time together that you don't necessarily get, especially in the NBA, because the the uh, the time constraints are so hectic on a player's schedule. That's right. I would have to agree with you 100%, and I think it's about that time. And what time would that be? <laughs> oh, yes. 
And again, we would love to welcome back the Whizzle on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. The Whizzle, you know already what time it is. It is NBA playoffs, and I want to hear from you what is happening. We're also going to cover some some coaching news in the NBA, but let's first start off with the NBA playoffs. Whizzle, what's happening with well, there's a huge race going on right now. Uh, the, the upsets have been charted. Uh, we're moving forward. Uh, Detroit and Orlando are going at it right now as we speak, and Detroit has a six-point lead just before halftime. So, uh, again, there's a lot of great contests. San Antonio, uh, New Orleans coming on next. So I think that's going to be a great one, too. Uh, uh, LeBron and, and, and what he's doing out there in Cleveland really looks good. And uh, let's give a congratulations to Kobe Bryant for – sneaking that MVP award this year. He's deserving. Would you say, Whistle, that it is long overdue for Kobe? It's his time. What do you think about the MVP race? Well, I was chatting with some friends, and they convinced me that Kobe had actually earned it. I, you know, I mean, to look back on some of the work that he's put down and, you know, 81-point games and, and, and huge 50- and 60-point games and, He's always having them. You can guarantee it's guaranteed he's going to do something like that. And, uh, and he's a good he's a good player, and he's really embraced what team is and and learned how to defer to his teammates. And so um, I I can I completely agree with the MVP call. Now, if there was ever a chance that you wanted to share one, you could share one this year when Carl uh, Malone, Michael Jordan, believe it or not. Because uh, uh, this was a year that Chris Paul had a fabulous year, but I just think that maybe it was Kobe's turn, and and it's something that he's earned four years ago, probably. So, no question, I, I would have to agree with you. Now, now jumping to to the games, we're, we're looking at Cleveland. They're going to either face Boston or Atlanta. What are what are we looking at there? Well, I mean, first of all, let's give let's let's give a, a big hand to Mike Biddy and his Atlanta Hawks. Uh, they really have stepped up, and they stepped up greatly to a team that was, you know, actually I consider it to be a sweep uh, in an easy first-round uh, 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 disappearance for the Hawks, and they showed their resiliency and what it means to be a team, and, and they're they're hanging in there. And so uh, they're, it, it, they force a game seven, and this is the contest where, hey, anything can happen. All they got to do is go win one in Boston. So, I mean, it's 50-50. I think all the pressure actually is fifty five forty five because all the pressure is on Boston right now. I think that uh, KG's uh, Defensive Player of the Year award was really nice, but I think that it's shown that you're not the MVP of the league, and there's other people who are super dependable and they take their teams to the next level. And I'm not saying he didn't do that, but he did that defensively. Um, they got a, a, a huge challenge ahead of them because they're playing a, a real hungry Atlanta Hawks team. I would agree with you, Wizzle, because when you go to a game seven, there's anything that can happen. Obviously, one of your we don't want this to happen. Knock on wood, everybody. But one of your key players can get hurt, and all of a sudden, you are not the same team that you were. Or when you look at a young team like Atlanta, and this is probably the biggest stickler point, is that any one of those young guys 
could have, and and I would have to put Mike in that, Mike Bibby also could just have one of those games. And if they have one of those games and you can't stop them, all of a sudden you've got something on your hands. And when you say pressure is on the Boston Celtics, being the number one seed in the league, going to game seven at home, you have expectations that you must meet. And if they're not met, all of a sudden your home crowd can go against you. There's a lot of different aspects that, that you have to look at when you when you examine this game, but uh, I would have to say 55-45. I agree with you. I mean, it's a huge game, and again, uh, the old cliche, you don't uh, let a wounded animal breathe. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, sir. Well, whoever it is, they're going to face LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And when I look at either one of those matchups, obviously I think that probably 90% of our listeners are going to go with Boston and think that, you know, home court advantage means everything, which it does. But uh, I look at Cleveland and I say that they match up well against the Boston Celtics. They have some uh, intangible players that go up against Kevin Garnett. Obviously, LeBron James is a monster. And they have some players that they can put in on defense and really, you know, balance out Pierce and Ray Allen. So let's just say it's Cleveland-Boston. What are you looking at there? That's an interesting game because uh, matchup, I should say. First of all, uh, Kevin Garnett would be playing against, you know, Big Z. He's not a, a, a huge name to a lot of the brothers at the parks and all that. But Zydrunas uh, Ilgowskis is a very formidable big man, and he plays and he led the league this year in offensive rebounding, ladies and gentlemen, which is a huge stat. That means that he he's relentless at going after the ball. And this is—we're talking about a guy who's what Doug? He played against him, what seven, one, two, three, something like that. Have, he has to be well over seven, wasn't? Okay, and uh, and attacking the glass with a reckless abandon. Uh, we're talking about a, a good game, and the, the mismatch with LeBron is is highly illustrated because uh, Paul Pierce will be in foul trouble. Ray Allen can't stick him, and I mean this—I I actually think it favors. The Cavaliers, and don't shoot me, nobody. I'm not a Celtics hater. I'm just teams are getting exposed right now. You're starting to see that it's a it's a game of matchups. And if LeBron comes every day, he's pretty much going to put up a triple double against you. And I mean, and if he gets somebody to come along with him, I think they got a great chance. I would have to agree with you, Wizzle. And the other player is James Posey, and he, he can't stick him either. And Le- LeBron, I mean, going out there, if he has an incredible series, they move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. And in those Eastern Conference Finals, they would either face Detroit or Orlando. And, and who do you got in this matchup? Because it's interesting. You know, Orlando's a young and upcoming team. Then you've got the older team in Detroit who's holding down the, held down the East for the last five or six years now. And this is really a battle of maybe changing other guards. Right now, Detroit is ahead 43-40 over Orlando, and which is huge because Orlando uh, can definitely play with Detroit. Um, I need to check deeper into and see what type of stats Dwight Howard's working with. But um, again, it's, it's, it's their chance. It's their turn. I think they have a huge mismatch in, in uh, Hidu Turkoglu glue because you got to put uh, uh, Tayshawn Prince on somebody, and they've got they got spotted up three point shooters, and so uh, they got a great chance again. There is Orlando at Detroit right now. There's a minute 
four left to go in the second quarter, and they are only down three, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if they're a lot better than Philly, the Philadelphia 76ers, let me tell you that. Yes, I will agree. If Detroit doesn't come to play, they could get sent home. It's just hard for me to look at any of the Eastern Conference teams, with the exception of maybe Boston, and look at Detroit's roster and see how they can't really capitalize and come out of the East. But it is definitely possible, as we've seen with Philadelphia. Orlando puts together a good game and really could send them home. So we're going to have to keep our eye on that one. Moving to the Western Conference, we have the New Orleans Hornets and the San Antonio Spurs, which you, you stated earlier is coming up later on tonight. But this is a great matchup of point guard and Paul versus Parker. And I, I would have to say that that is going to be one of the biggest areas because both of those guys have the ball quite often. But I really want to know who do you got coming out of this one? You know, there's a lot of players I, I really, really like on both teams, and I, I really like San Antonio's experience. You know, sometimes you get torn back with going back and forth with what teams you like and what teams you root for. It's hard to not root for the New Orleans Saints. I mean, Saints, the New Orleans Hornets. They are they play well, and Chris Paul sets up all of his team members, and 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 just to show you how how well Chris Paul plays. You can look at the players and some of the accomplishments they've had this year. Tyson Chandler, best year. Peja Stoyakovich, what do you have, 220, somewhere around near threes, NBA record this year. Great, uh, Mr. Great. West, uh, a candidate, you know, and also an all-star. You know, we're talking about these type of players that have elevated their games all because of this little point guard. And this point guard... It's not like he's just out there setting people up, ladies and gentlemen. He's embarrassing some like really, really I iconic players. I mean, Jason Kidd is at home, and he'll probably be rooting for Chris Paul because he knows the truth. Yeah, Chris, uh, Chris, Chris Paul is serious. I will have to agree with you. I mean, he is a monster, and if he can have a triple-double type of series... I would say that New Orleans can get by them, but I, I do agree with you. San Antonio, uh, with the experience that they have, and I think ultimately the X factor who always comes to play night in and night out is Manu. Without a doubt, and that's one of my, uh, if I had to put me on a white person jersey, that's what I'd put on. Not that, you know what I'm talking about. Manu Lowe. No, yes, man. That's my man. Manu Lowe. Manilo to the fifth power, and I will say that San Antonio takes down New Orleans in six games. Now, with the Los Angeles Lakers and the Utah Jazz, I look at this series, and a lot of the times I, I was examining Utah, and I said, you know, this is a really tough team, but as I watch them play, I'm seeing uh, a lot of areas that, that they really can improve because if their point guard, if he does not, have a fantastic uh, series. Speaking of Mr. Williams, I really see them going home quite quickly because the Lakers have become really a powerhouse uh, with Kobe playing the way that he is and the complimentary talent around him. Uh, Paul Gasol is playing fantastic basketball, and when Kobe gets to the fourth quarter and has a chance, uh, Utah better bring their game, would you say? No doubt about it. And what do you say about a couple old coaches putting on the gloves, getting in the ring again. I mean, this we're talking about historic 
facings, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to come a time where Phil isn't coaching and Jerry Sloan isn't coaching again. So there's going to be the X's and O's and the chess moves and, and all kind of intricate moves that you'll see to t- for teams to cover up their inefficiencies and, and to try to expose other teams. So this is about to be a, a good matchup because I, it's a lot of history between the coaches. I, they don't particularly like each other as far as being on opposing benches, but uh, they really take their their craft and their and their their X's no seriously. And I, I expect a great series. I think the Lakers do have enough to get through because the intangible for their team and in that matchup will be Mr. Lamar Odom. Now I, I can agree with that. Mr. Odom is is he is the X factor, no doubt. But looking at the two coaching staffs there, I, I would have to say that it's hard to put anybody really above Phil Jackson. But if you are going to battle somebody, Jerry Sloan is not a bad person to put in that seat because he's feisty, he's aggressive, he makes his team play hard, and he doesn't let them back down from anybody. And, and ultimately, I think that's why also you've seen such a turnaround in the Utah Jazz so quickly after losing two Hall of Famers in John Stockton and Carl Malone. Without a doubt, I have a lot of respect for any coach that can command these men that's you know, pretty much, let's be honest about it, they're making more money than you. But that, you that is, and their respect, and right. you got to do it this way or I'll sit your A-double-S down. You know what I'm talking about? Like real business, old school basketball, the coach you don't like, the things that you need are the things you don't like. And Jerry Small, I'm sure if you played for him, you wouldn't like it that much. But when you look right now and all the executing and all the things that he will pull you out for, this is when it pays off, ladies and gentlemen. You go out there and execute and you, you do your best. And I I think they're going to do their best, no doubt about it. No question, Wizzle. Well, was always, Wizzle, it's a beautiful Saturday afternoon. Enjoy yourself, and we thank you again for all of your wonderful sports insights. No doubt. I'm about to season some chicken for the grill, baby. Enjoy <laughs> <laughs> yourself. And hello, everybody. We are moving right along, and we're going right into fashion. And this week, my husband has something special to share with you guys. No question. I would have to say that my first fashion tip for the gentlemen out there is a wristwatch. Oh well, well the ladies also, but uh, I'm I'm saying that well, ladies, if you want a wristwatch, you can get one. It's I was also going to go for the gentleman for a pocket watch uh-huh. because uh, now the chains are in style. You let the chain drip down beneath your pants, and instead of just clipping it to your jeans, and it doesn't really have a purpose, get yourself a pocket watch, attach it to that chain, and all of a sudden now you're stylish, but you're also doing something that's going to help you out because. If you need to know what time it is, you just check that little chain. So there are many watches out there that one can choose from. I mean, you go hundreds of thousands of dollars down to just a couple of bucks and anywhere in between. Find yourself a quality one that works for you, whether it's digital, whether you have to wind it, whatever it is, but get a watch because it's always good to know what time it is. Oh, now see, I can't even comment to that. That was hot. <laughs> and then we gonna move into, and then we gonna move into tank tops. My um, tip would be tank tops, and that's for men or women. I, they call men's tank tops. Honey, is this true? Wife beaters. Now, I'm where not, did that name come from? I'm not feeling that. I'm not gonna touch that with a ten foot stick backwards between my legs. I'm not doing it. But that is call them uh, is what you said. I'm not even gonna say. 
Okay, okay. So what they call them wife beaters, but you guys, they're not, you know, I would not recommend those. I would say just traditional tank tops, you know, and you can get them for men or women, men, darker colors, definitely blacks, chocolate browns, you know, army greens. Those colors are great. You put them on with a pair of jeans or shorts and some sandals, and you're automatically fashionable. Then women, tank tops, make sure that they're modest and they're not showing too much cleavage because your arms are already out, so that's a lot of skin showing. Usually they're dipped down in the back around the neck area, so your back is kind of showing, and you just don't want to seem like you're putting all your business out on the streets. And, of course, if you're going to be around kids, it's a little over and obnoxious to have it really low cut. So try to make sure your tank tops are modest, and any color you pick would make it a very hot summertime, springtime, fashionable piece to add to your wardrobe. No question, baby. That, that's a good one. And I would just have to say this on tank tops. If you got some shirts that are a little, but you love them, they're getting a little small, you cut the sleeves off, and there you have right. it, too. But, okay, wow. my, my fashion tips, I'm going to go with the polo shirt. And one of the reasons that I want to talk about the polo shirt is they call it the polo shirt because Ralph Lauren was the first person to make that type of shirt. So now any type of polo shirt, and when I say polo, I'm, I'm talking collared shirts, shorts, has the, the body level split down at the bottom. Uh, you go oranges, yellows, lime greens, blues, any style, any maker, not just Polo Ralph Lauren. You got Izod, you got a whole bunch of different uh, styles and types. You can get stripes, you can get them uh, front and back, different colors, collars, different colors, but just a fun, wow. fun shirt. You can wear it with linen pants, jeans, suit jackets. You can dress it up, dress it down. Do whatever you want with it, but get you a polo shirt. Get a polo shirt, and just like my husband said, it doesn't matter if it has the little man on the horse. It could have a ball with a person kicking it. It could have whatever in that little left-hand lapel pocket or on the front of the chest. It doesn't matter. That is so high fashion. You got me on that one, honey. You really did. He's on fire this week. You guys. And now I'm going to try to follow him up with this one, but I don't think I can. I would be saying cute baseball caps or hats. For men or women, and when I say that, ladies, they got cute ones at BB's. They're only like 19 bucks. They make you instantly fashionable. You pop it on your hair. If you got long hair, you can put a ponytail, even if you have short hair, because short ponytails are back in style, y'all. And if you're really unique and you really know your own flavor, you can wear your hair short or long and rock it however you want, or you can just have it straight. You can flat iron it or wrap it, as we African-American women do sometimes. Then it's laying real straight uh, against your head, and you can pop a baseball cap on. My husband likes to tilt the hat sort of to the side a little bit, and that adds an extra little flair. <laughs> it's high fashion, but it's for people that really love fashion. He does that, and a lot of people, it's really a slick thing to do. So you can get an Ed Hardy cap. You can get, you know, your, a plain baseball cap and just, you know, take you some marker pens and get real creative and create your own style by painting on it with the pens, you know, marking it up, writing your name. You can write hearts, stars, butterflies, whatever you want. You can get some clothing paint. Get you a plain color baseball cap at Michael's Party Center. I know it's strange to go to Michael's Party Center, but Arts and Crafts, they have everything there as well. And you can go in there and get your base baseball cap for three bucks, four bucks. And then sit there and take the paint that goes on clothing and paint all kinds of designs on it or color it all one other color or however you want to do it. So I'd say caps and hats, and hats of any style. You can wear cowboy hats, you can wear straw hats, whatever you want. For men, my husband bought the coolest dark color green knit cap the other day. It has a a little brim on it, but it also fits your head, and it's kind of like a beanie hat. It is off the chain, and I love it. And so you can wear that style of hat and just, you know, rock it your own kind of way and make it your own flavor, and you will always be in fashion. 
No question. And by the way, that hat was only ten bucks, so I found a, I found a good deal on that one. So yeah, I agree with you. Hats, tilt them to the side, put them backwards, do what you want. I think you topped me on that one because hats are definitely something that you need for your attire. <laughs> and thank you. And guess what? Now we are discussing love and romance and why it is so very important in all of our lives. And I'd like to start the topic off, honey, by talking about love and how it is the core of emotion. I would have to agree with you 100% on that because, you know, emotion is something when when you feel something. And usually you are feeling something when either love or hate. And when I say hate, hate is just love thwarted. It is something that most people who you say, hey, they're hating, if you go down far enough and you find out, it's usually because they like it so much. So I would have to say that love is the cornerstone of emotion. Do we need it? In abundances, I will have to say that because at the same time, love conquers so many different things. It can take you through so many different realms and avenues of your life, but it's something that don't fight against it. Go with it. Tell that loved one that you love them. Encourage them to reciprocate that and say it back to you because it's infectious. And once you start passing it around, the people that you hang around are going to pass it around. Obviously, it's going to be in your household. But love is, is the cornerstone of emotion. And when you get into an emotional relationship and you add love in it, it's beautiful. I can I, I can't even I cannot even add to that. That was just one hundred percent perfect. And we'll move right along to our second topic and that is togetherness is strength. And you know, in saying togetherness is strength, it's when you're with someone, it's it's an old saying that says, Divided we fall, together we stand. Together we stand, divided we fall. I'm saying it both ways, so everybody out there that recognize that saying, togetherness is strength. It you you know, anything is stronger in numbers, correct, honey? Oh, no question. I, I would talk about that, and I, I relate this now to sports because a lot of the times, you know, talking to the teammates and different things, I, I would always say collectively is where we galvanize together, and these are the ways that you beat teams. But individually, we are not as strong. But all of a sudden, collectively, we make ourselves strong, we make ourselves a unit, and all of a sudden, sky's the limit. You can do so many more different things because your individual talent is only blessed when you bless it with the talent that is around you, and that goes the same inside of your relationship. My wife makes me better, my daughter makes me better, my son makes me better, and hopefully I make them better. And that is what I'm saying about family and making it a strong, galvanized unit. I would have to say, wow, thank you very much, honey. And um, the next topic would be marriage is a bond, and that is that is true in every sense of the word, and it kind of reiterates what togetherness is. But marriage being married, you have a partnership, and that's a bond that you share with your mate, and it's something that can't be broken, correct, babe? No question. I would say that the marriage being a, a bond of the family unit is so big. Obviously, there are a lot of married people out there who don't have children, but I, I'm speaking from a, a married couple's point of view who we have kids, and it, it bonds not only my wife and I, obviously, because we love each other and we're married, but our kids see that, they support us, we support them, and it, it bonds our family in a way that – 
yet times go on and, and you go through ups and downs because that's what family and that's what life is about. But at the end of the day, I can look into my wife's eyes and our children's eyes and they know that bottom line, whatever happens or whatever, that my mom and my dad, they love me. And it, it's it's a bonding. It was funny because we're, we're shooting a video with our daughter and my wife and I were talking and one of her uh, mates inside the video came over and, and we were talking about how proud we were of our daughter. And she goes, is this a family bonding moment? And we all started laughing and we realized, yeah, it is because, we, you know, we're just, we're talking and we're proud parents. And that's what it's all about and, and definitely family bonding. Big, big. And I would have to reiterate what my husband said. It's in life, I know a lot of people go, wow, they have a great relationship. We always hear about the good and everything else. We want you to understand we're humans. We're just like anybody else. And when we share, we're sharing a part of ourselves and our life. And nothing in life is perfect. And that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you don't love the person always know that you can always talk through things like my daughter is a teenager now and sometimes with daughters they they clash with their mommies sometimes they're becoming women of their own and one day they'll have children but they love you to death and you love them to death and you always got to remember as long as that respect is there you have a solid relationship but getting back on to marriage being a bond that's exactly what it is and always cherish your cherish your marriage and and make that bond stronger by keeping it in the solid center of what you guys stand for. And then we'll move right into number five, and that's romance adds sweetness. What would you say about that, Love? Wow. Now, that right there, uh, did, did somebody write that question in? <laughs> I don't know where that one came from, but that is that is beautiful because it does so much in a relationship because romance, and when I say romance, most people probably think of having a picnic or these different things, but there's so many different ways that you can be romantic from your maybe your wife goes to the shower and before she comes back, you, you pull back the, the cover for her so she can get into the bed. There are different ways, or when she goes, you make the bed up for her so she doesn't have to do it in the morning. There's a lot of different romantic things that you can do from making breakfast to just opening up the car door, letting her in and closing it behind her. These are romantic things that obviously don't cost you anything but go miles and miles and miles inside of a relationship that makes that romance turn into sweetness. That's right. I'd have to agree. Or, or just by going, if you're at the store and you happen to grab a coffee for yourself, think about your mate. Grab them a coffee as well. And romance doesn't just have to be because you're in a relationship. It can be, you know, oh, I like this person or I like that person. And you buy a flower, you know, the old school ways, right, babe? Uh, no question, and I think that was a Starbucks plug, by the way, for the, for the coffee. So <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> any of you Starbucks people out there, you hook your mate up when you go and, and get a, a double shot. <laughs> a double shot of what? Which one? Your favorite uh, or mine? Uh, I, I'd have to say uh, double shot soy extra hot latte. <laughs> and I'd, I'd have to say an ending our love and romance section it is, let's face it, everybody wants love, so make sure you're spreading it and you're showing it. And I don't want to forget that here today we have to remind you to go to our website, infinitelovefoundation.com, and find out all you can about HIV and AIDS and keep that on the forefront of what your thoughts are and make sure you're telling a friend because if everybody tells a friend pretty soon, everyone will be aware and know their status 
Right, no question. Each one, teach one. We have to know our status, everybody out there. That is one of the key slogans and sayings for 2008, everybody out there. Know your status. As with HIV and AIDS, you can go anywhere. You can get swab tested. You don't necessarily have to get blood swab tested. A test of your saliva in your mouth, and within 20 minutes, you will know your status. That's most definitely the truth, and we have enjoyed you guys again, and we thank you so very much for tuning in again to our show. And until next time, we will catch you same place, same time. Have a good time this weekend, our friends. See ya. Peace. Respect. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.